Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It is another Market Down Monday. I'm Nathan Baird from Cleveland.com, along with Doug Lee Maurice and Stephen Means. I feel like this is our first time back together for Market Down Monday in a while. Stephen's been on vacation. I'm actually recording this before I go on vacation. But here we are. The gang is back together. And the gang will be back together in a much larger way later this week at Big Ten Media Day. So we are marking down the predicted finish of the Big Ten East and West in 2021. I'm actually looking forward to this weekend. Sometimes Big Ten Media Day <clears throat> can be a little bit of a hassle. Can be it's 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 just a bunch of people running around and you're getting interviews where you, you know you're talking to the Ohio State people. It'll be the first time in a while for us, but it's a bunch of big crowds standing around. You don't necessarily always get like special stuff, but like just to be this is a big return to normalcy for our beat, for our what we do. I mean, we got to have all of last season. Other places in college football got to have a more normal season. I'm looking forward to feeling like I'm back covering college football in a normal way starting this weekend in Indianapolis. I'll be curious to see like if there are still any limitations or anything on interacting with people. Because uh, at its best, you do have a chance, hopefully, you know, to get some stuff, get your questions into like everybody in the league. You know, so I hope that's the case. And and it is in Indianapolis. It's always been in Chicago in the past. And last time we had Big Ten Media Days in 2019, an elevator in Chicago tried to murder me. So I'm glad it's in Indy. Even tried to murder, tried to murder objects have had enough of Doug Maurice. So we're in the elevator. I think I've told this story. We're in the elevator in Chicago. It's like the, the door is weird. The door gets jammed and we go up. And then we go down and then we go up and then we go back down and we are going up willy nilly in like a 40 story building. Now, we're not going up all 40 stories, but I'm waiting at any moment to go up all 40 stories and then plunge to my death. And we, we were stuck in the elevator for like five minutes, like an elevator that was out of control. So. Good who riddance, else, Chicago. Who was we? Who else was? It was like me and like six random people. Oh, OK. Like yeah, no, no, no. I was not stuck in that elevator with him. No, I've only been stuck with Doug somewhere once. Where were we stuck? In Ohio Stadium. Oh, game. 2019. Yeah, I remember that now. Um, 
so anyway, so yeah, so I'm glad to glad to be heading to Indy. Uh, for people who don't know, it's it's held over two days, and I believe I can't remember. I should look this up. I think Ohio State goes on the first day, which is Thursday. But I'll be there both days. I think I assume you guys are hanging around for both days to, like you said, you get to kind of go around table to table, talk to everybody in the Big Ten, go ask Jim Harbaugh well, what's going on. Like, uh, you know, you get those opportunities at this. So if you can wade through the crowd, some crowds bigger than others. The Purdue table, maybe not as crowded as the Ohio State table, but uh, still an opportunity to do some reporting, but also an opportunity to see our friends around the Big Ten who are friends and, and well-wishers and adversaries who – 40 some of whom I sent out invitations to vote in the 11th annual cleveland.com big 10 preseason poll that will also be coming out midweek this week so watch for that we'll probably I'm not probably I will definitely text out the results of that before we publish them widely so sign up now 614-350-3315 but we'll be predicting the finish of the big 10 in that poll We'll be predicting the Big Ten championship game winner in that poll. We'll be predicting the Big Ten preseason offensive and defensive players of the year in that poll. And a, a fun little wrinkle question that we'll save for for then. But I think that'll be um, it'll give get to be a good little talking point for people. But this is uh, this is the, we, we I've invited a lot more people. I think that we expanded kind of who's going to be involved, and I'm I'm intrigued by the answers we might get this year because I think it's going to be a good representation of the whole Big Ten. And again, as we always say, we are doing the Big Ten's job because the Big Ten refuses to do it because they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Rutgers got picked last. It's too mean. We don't care about being mean. Buckeye talk. So this is the 11th year where every other conference in the world does this as a conference and releases it. And the Big Ten, because everybody's got to be friends, doesn't do it. They release like a, a watch list of 10 players, which is, <laughs> I mean, stick it in your armpit. That is nothing. We do a real thing. So you're welcome. <laughs> Cleveland.com is here list. for you. It's a watch list of the players people already watch. Yeah. That's the thing. It's not new people. But we don't rank them because, oh, well, somebody's seventh and their feelings are hurt. So we'll hurt feelings. We'll hurt everybody's feelings. You should have checked. I bet that elevator was built in New Jersey. I thought you were going to say you should have checked. I bet the Big Ten knew you were in that elevator and was trying to murder you. That may be true as well. Um, Although any number, if you're you're putting it on human intent, let's be honest, there were any number of suspects at that point. Just open it up to the entire like greater Midwest. Bill Davis probably came back and did it. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say that I want to be murdered, but I'm always fascinated. Like who would be the suspects in my murdered? Mm. If, if in my, in my murder, if I were murdered. So I wouldn't be here to see who the suspects are, but if it was like who rigged the elevator, Oh my God, there's like, it could be a hundred people who would want me dead. Have you really lived a life? If you don't think that there's probably someone out there with a, Maybe not a good reason to want to murder you, but like legitimate motivation to want to murder you. I think you're a pretty bland person if nobody hates you. That's I think that's probably a good way to put it. You have to have people who love you and that means if you have people that love you, that means there are people who hate you. Well, I'm pretty spicy then because I got a lot of people who hate me. So I'm just <laughs> trying to hang on. I'm just, <laughs> just, trying, to, talk. just trying to hang on. 
So, like, like, like we're saying, the whole Big Ten will be voting in that poll. This is how we are voting in that poll, uh, as far as you know, um, because we are marking this down a couple weeks ahead of time before the votes are actually due. But I think this vote will probably pretty closely mirror what we end up doing with our votes in that poll. Um, as you guys scrutinize this, last year was a, a mixed year for the Big Ten because you obviously had Ohio State get to the national championship game controversially in some people's eyes, I suppose you had Indiana make this little resurgence and start to like be a top 10 team and get some notice. You had Northwestern go undefeated very late into the season and get to its second big 10 championship game in three years. But you also had Penn state falling off. You had Michigan falling off. Uh, I don't feel like people thought that whatever came out of the big 10 West last year was um, really up to like some kind of national standard. So as you scrutinize this, do you believe the Big Ten will be better in 2021 than it was in 2020? I have a team that I think will rebound. Um, I think the West has a couple good teams. Uh, I think Indiana will take a step back, maybe, actually. Again, I'm just playing the expectations game, as I usually do with programs like that. But I think Penn State's going to get back a little bit. I, I, I think they will prove that last year was really more of a just a weird blip and not indicative of much yeah i think penn state of the teams who just were awful and because of COVID, i think more than anybody else they can blame theirs on it being COVID because there was so many aspects whether it was in recruiting or it was on the actual football field so i'll give them the benefit of the doubt but i think i i, I kind of believe in indiana a little bit more this year and there are some other big 10 east teams that i i kind of have some faith in might take a jump this year but it is, and the way I do it is I go through every single game and I just pick a winner and loser for every single game. So that helps me take the schedule into account, home and road, where do you have a buy? You know, and sometimes when you do that, it's always, I think, a good exercise because it makes you realize, oh, I thought this about a team, but actually their schedule is pretty hard. Or I thought this about a team and actually their schedule is pretty easy. And that affected my rankings a little bit. Cause again, we're predicting where they finish. We're not saying who we think the best teams are. It's not a power ranking. It's which, what your record's going to be. And so um, those things don't, don't always match up, but I also want to note, I used Phil Steele, great magazine, friend of the program. Go get your Phil Steele preseason magazine. Always a great reference. And PFF has a really nice college football preview online. If you go to pff.com, and try to get access to that. I think it might cost a couple bucks, but it's just like another, I like the way PFF looks at stuff, not as the be all end all, but like as another way of viewing things. So those are two things that I relied upon in trying to piece together what I think about some of these other teams. I have my Phil Steele laying next to me on the basement futon here. I have not cracked it yet. And I'm trying to decide whether or not it goes in the backpack to go on my honeymoon or not. I think the answer is no. I think I divorce, I'm I am keeping myself separated from all things college football for the next couple of weeks. I think that's fair. I think you could take Phil Steele on vacation. I yes. don't know that you should take Phil Steele on your honeymoon. Yes. Yeah, no, that's not a good look. Sorry, Phil. I, I'm I'm sure it's delightful reading and I can't wait to delve into it when I get back. Uh, before we get into <laughs> but our now, all cast. I can think about now is like, you're like, uh, <laughs> you're like in the bathroom, like at three o'clock in the morning <laughs> and like your wife wakes up and is like, Nathan, what are you doing in there? It's like, uh, I'm just looking at Phil Steele. It's okay. And she's like, oh, he's just reading the magazine. And then like the door opens and you come out and Phil Steele's there with you. And it's like, you, it's like <laughs> Phil Steele came to Hawaii. It's like, we're just hanging out chatting about how we, how good we think Maryland's going to be. Oh, uh, Phil. 
But Phil probably should be in Hawaii right now because it takes uh, a lot to put that book together. And I'm, I think he probably deserves a, a nice break. Before we start marking it down, just quickly, like we've already talked a little bit about some teams we think are good. But what teams right now does 2021 seem critical? Like, I think there were a couple of teams that had jumped out to me that like whether or not we're right or wrong about them might signal whether a change is coming for them either that they have, they've progressed or that it's time to make a coaching change. I mean, Michigan's the one that jumps to the top of this list. Obviously, I think we'll, we'll talk about them probably more as we break things down, but anybody else for, the, for you guys where this seems like a, the, the, your focus kind of crystallizes on what happens with them this year? Nebraska, I think. I, I, I don't know if it's, it's not a fireable year, but it's a... I think it is, especially because they just changed ADs. <laughs> I said, they don't have, they don't yeah, have an, I think they don't have an AD right now. But yeah, so you, you actually you're right. When you're changing leadership like that, it probably is a fireable year. Never mind. I was just going to say maybe this well, isn't the fireable year, but it's the year that leads to the fireable year. But I think you're right. This is the fireable year. We didn't get into that with Lee Barfnecht. We were talking about so many other things, but typically when you fire an AD or when you well, this wasn't a firing, I guess technically, but when you change ADs at a juncture like this with your football program. It's because you know that that AD could not be the one to hire the next football coach. Right. Mm-hmm. I saw that happen at Purdue where Daryl Hazel was bad after his third year, but they hadn't made a change with the athletic director position until they decided what was going to happen with that. They couldn't get rid of their football coach because that guy couldn't hire the next football coach. So they had to keep Hazel for a fourth year and it, it set that program back even more. And I think that was a signal to me at Nebraska that uh, and I imagine it was probably a signal to Scott Frost as well. I don't think it's for sure fireable, but I think it's very possible the new AD would be like, "I've seen enough. This is not it." I don't think they have to go eight and four to keep his job, but I mean, if 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 they're back in that like three win range somehow, yeah. then things get if real dicey. I think fi- anything five hundred and under, he's gone. You got to see progress. If you don't see progress, yeah. if it's like, nope, it, it is what it is. It's not changing. But 500 and, would be progress at Nebraska. No, that's right? true. That's Fair. true. I also think I think the same thing goes for Purdue and Jeff Brown. And maybe not mm-hmm. from a fireable standpoint, but maybe from like, a, let's just try this over for the sakes of both of us. So I think Harbaugh, Brom, and Frost are all on notice and could be in their final years in the Big Ten if this season doesn't go well. The other team that it's big for is Indiana, and it's not dire for Indiana in any way. Obviously, they are riding high right now. Um, I was just talking to a friend of mine who covers Indiana earlier this week, and we got into this discussion. That's Zach Osterman. Just it wasn't Zach, Zach Osterman. Osterman. It wasn't Zach Osterman. I know other people in the state of Indiana <laughs> besides Zach Osterman, believe it or not. Uh, my buddy Dustin Dobrak, who covers, uh, has covered Indiana in the past, has done a lot of things in Big Ten in the past, um, still involved as a reporter uh, there in, in Indianapolis. He stopped through on his way over the 4th of July. And we were chatting about this, about how, and we've talked about it already, I think on this, on, on Buckeye talk before, but just this is a year where the expectations catch up to Indiana a little bit. And now how do you handle that? And I think that's one of the big storylines going into this season because I, the expectations are going to be high. I haven't started tabulating votes. I imagine there's people who have Indiana as high as second in the East. I don't know if anybody's going to pick them to challenge Ohio state and actually win the, the big 10 East this year. But that's very uncommon in the history of Indiana football, obviously. And Indiana uh, opens at Iowa, for mm. instance. Like that's it's, like a yeah. really tough opener. They play Cincinnati, which is a tough game for Indiana. Um, like there's just there's there's just some things that like might make it hard 
So they they finished with Minnesota and Purdue. So their crossovers are Iowa, Minnesota, and Purdue. But there's, you know, I just think they could be a good team and like be good and lose four games because they're playing Iowa, Cincinnati, Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State. And I don't know. I think they could lose four of those five. I think, yeah, you're right, because I was looking at schedules too. I think the good thing about their schedule's hard, but so are some of the other teams who might compete for that second spot. They've got just as rough, at least as far as from a non-conference standpoint, some pretty tough games on their own. So by the time that they get up against these opponents like Penn State and Michigan, it might be a situation where the winner of this game is who's going to win, end up in, being in second place. And I, to- I did not realize this, just as a note to everybody, there are five Big Ten games in week one. And one of them is the yeah. weird Nebraska-Illinois game that was supposed to be in Ireland and is not in Ireland and is going to be in Ireland next year. So that's actually in week zero, I think. But I, I thought like Ohio State-Minnesota was like the Big Ten opener. It's like practically everybody's playing a Big Ten game to start the season, including mm-hmm. Wisconsin-Penn State, which is like yeah. a bonkers opener. And so that is something that I'm just dumb. It's like we're, we're, we're going to hit the ground running in this conference. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to this season getting started and we are going to take a break right here and come back and start marking down where we think the big 10 teams finish in 2021. We're back on Buckeye talk. Let's get into it. Let's start picking where we think the big 10 teams will finish in 2021. Let's start in the West. I have Illinois, Brett Bielema's first year anchoring the big 10 West again, but a, probably a year where I think, it'll be interesting if we see some progress, we start to see them be a little bit more competitive. That's uh, maybe a rough thing to say, because only two years ago that they beat Wisconsin and, and we're, you know, a a bowl team, but obviously they need to start building towards something more consistently. And uh, they've got a veteran quarterback, but uh, talent overall, I think there's still a step behind. I'm picking them seventh. Yeah, me too. You know, I think that, you know, they, they host Nebraska in that opener now. They're at Purdue. They have Rutgers as a crossover game. Again, I did the record breakdown. I always, when I do this, I, I try to pick some games where like the better team loses, right? That it's like, cause that happens in college football. So I don't just go through and do chalk of like, all right, who's better. They win. Who's better. They win. I try to pick some upsets. So I decided I came up, but Illinois is a team for everybody else. Everybody else you do. It's like, well, who are they going to be? It's like, oh, they beat Illinois. So I have Illinois going one and eight in the big 10 and their one win being their season finale against Northwestern where like Brett Bielema saves an O and nine by beating their rival. Northwestern's better than Illinois. And it's like that, like jump starts Illinois into the next year. But I think they have a shot to go O and nine, but I think they maybe could also win two games. I put Purdue last and I put Illinois a spot above them. Uh, Purdue's just got a – that's a rough schedule. <laughs> they got Notre Dame. They got Ohio State. Obviously, they've got the Big Ten West teams who are actually going to be pretty decent on their schedule. So, that, there's just more – got Indiana. There's just a lot more guaranteed losses. While with Illinois, Brett might be able to just dial up some things randomly as the new coach with some fresh energy in there that might just sneak them into some wins – while with Purdue, that's rough. This is a rough schedule and a bad year for them to have a rough schedule. Let's go ahead and talk about Purdue then, since you've got them seventh. I put them fifth in the Big Ten West. Doug, where did you have Purdue? I had them tied for fourth. I haven't won in three games. So so here is the schedule for Purdue. And and, and um, Tyler Shoemaker talked about this on our handicapping pod 
couple weeks ago. Uh, they start and now the, the Notre Dame game doesn't have anything to do with their Big Ten schedule. So uh, that won't affect that. I mean, they can still they could go 0 and three in the non-conference and still win the Big Ten West, you know, obviously. So uh, they get Illinois at home, Minnesota at home at Iowa, Wisconsin at home at Nebraska, Michigan State at home at Ohio State, Northwestern at Wrigley Field and then Indiana at home. So it's a tough schedule in terms of opponents. They do get some games at home. They're, they were they were a tough team for me to to handicap a little bit because when you've got guys like George Karlaftis and you've got guys like David Bell, who I think are among the best players in the Big Ten, that should count for something, especially in the weaker division. I just don't know if I believe – like, can they beat Minnesota at home? Yes. Can I Do I think this is a team that's going to go to Iowa and win? Do I think they can beat Wisconsin yet at home? Uh, I don't think they can win at Ohio State. And we'll talk about Northwestern and how we feel about them later. But I, I agree with what Steven's saying that I, I thought even picking them fifth was actually taking their schedule into account. Well, I mean, their crossovers are Indiana, Ohio State, and Michigan State. And the way they're scheduled, I think probably their three easiest Big Ten games are all at home. So yep. as you mm-hmm. said, they get Illinois, Minnesota, and Michigan State all at home. And those are the three wins I have for them in conference. So I have them going three and six, and I have them winning two of their three non-conference games, everybody except Notre Dame. So like three and six, five and seven, I think that might be enough not to fire Braun, but for them to be like, okay, we're good. But it's one of those things like when they play Illinois and Michigan State and Minnesota, they're going to have the two best players in those games with David Bell and Carl Loftus. And, and I do, and again, I, I'm acknowledging the people that I leaned on a little bit for this stuff. PFF kind of likes their quarterback options. You know, that it's like they haven't settled it, but the guy they're going to wind up with might be decent that we've, they've both played. And so, you know, compared to Illinois, I, I think they'll be better than Illinois. And again, just like playing Illinois, they get Illinois at home. So I think that's a win for Purdue against Illinois head to head. Yeah. The thing about Purdue's quarterback situation is it's very unsettled as it often is there. It, I, pretty much the entirety of Brahms tenure, there's always been like two guys in the mix. They've never really buckled down and settled on one. I will say that whoever they end up with, there's a, a guy named Jack Plummer from Arizona. That's been there a while. There's a kid named Aiden O'Connell who is a, uh, a former walk-on may, may still be a walk-on. I'm not sure he was ever put on scholarship. Those are like the main two guys. And they've got a transfer from UCLA who I think is still in the mix there. So they could end up with a quote-unquote good Big Ten quarterback. Doesn't mean he's going to be a good national-level quarterback, but a guy who, as far as being a noodle arm in the Big Ten West, can maybe win you some games. It's worth talking a little bit extra, I guess, about Purdue just because Ohio State does play them. They do come to Columbus, and they have been a nemesis. I I just don't know. The fact that that game is in Columbus this year and uh, the fact that Ohio State is as good as it is, I would be surprised if – this is the kind of year where Purdue accentuates that um, reputation or that history of being kind of a thorn in Ohio State's side. That's a really rough way to end the season at Ohio State, at Northwestern, and then playing Indiana. That's that's rough for any big. It depends on team. how good you think Indiana is. I mean, that's it's a game at home. I think Purdue right now is looking at that and saying that's still a game they expect to win. I don't know if I expect them to win it, but I think they would look at it and say they expect to win that game. I mean, it's one of those things. I think in retrospect. I was just looking at something like David Blau is probably going to be the backup quarterback for the Detroit Lions this year. Like legitimately, he's like a number two quarterback in the NFL. David Blau, as it turned out, it's like, it's like we always say, oh, you need NFL players to beat Ohio State. It's like, oh, they had Rondell Moore. It's like they also had an NFL quarterback, which we didn't know before mm-hmm. Ohio State went to Purdue in 2018. So if, if 
Jack Plummer or Aiden O'Connell plays at the at David Blau level, like that's actually asking a lot because David Blau is like one of the 70 best professional quarterbacks in the world. And that was not just like a, a, a random dude who caught lightning in a bottle. Like he's pretty good. So um, I just, I just think Purdue will be okay. You know, I, I just think they'll have a talent edge against some of the lesser teams, but not have enough talent to really scare anybody good. Yep. So I'm going to like triangulate this. I think this means we all had Nebraska sixth. Anybody not have them sixth? No, they're six for me. Adam six. Well, no, 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 I, no, no. I had Illinois sixth, and Nebraska fifth. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah, right, because you have yeah, yeah, yeah. You have Nebraska fifth. Okay. Yeah. That's more I'm, confidence than either Doug or I have. Why do you have them fifth? I, I think they've got they got some. I, they, I think they're going to beat Michigan State, even though that game is on the road. I am not sure about Michigan. I think they're in the same spot in, in life right now as Big Ten teams, and that's a, a home game for Nebraska. I think that's a game that they can win, and then I think they'll beat Purdue. I think they'll get enough of those. The, the Michigan one is the toss-up there, but then they've got enough other games where I think they can win that game with a quarterback who is a veteran, even if he is turnover happy at times. There's enough games in their backyard with enough players coming back that Scott Frost might be able to pull some things together and get some wins that maybe looking at the schedule at the beginning of the season, you don't think he can get. I think Michigan's like baseline of talent is dwarfs Nebraska's baseline of talent. So like, yeah, it's in Nebraska, but like, I don't care about that. I think Nebraska might start three and zero though at Illinois, Fordham and Buffalo non Lance Leipold Buffalo. Like they, they really might start three and zero, and then they're going to go lose at Oklahoma by 90. Uh, and we'll see how they recover from that. And then, of course, I mean, you have the crossover games that you might win, right? Michigan State. I mean, you could win that. Purdue, that's a division game. But so I just I have them going two and seven in the Big Ten, four and eight overall. And I think it's Scott Frost last year if that happens. This is something we've touched on. I don't want to rehash this maybe too much. We obviously just had a big podcast about it. Like I said, with Lee Barfneck, when we did a, a Buckeye fly effect about if Nebraska hadn't joined. But this is another year where Ohio State's going to Lincoln. And obviously, Buckeye fans are going to take the win. They're not going to they're not going to sneeze at a win. But does does Ohio State football history miss a little something that's going to get through this window of playing Nebraska this much? And it was just not much of a game this whole period. We already did this. Let's move on. Nebraska blows. You've been right the whole time. They blow. They're yep. tier six. I put them in tier four back in the day. I was wrong. They blow. So I, we don't need, we did an hour on Nebraska history. I'll tell you this. This is actually, this is the indication to me. This is all I need to know personally. Ohio state plays at Nebraska the same weekend. The Browns play at the Bengals. And I think I'm not going to go to the Ohio state game because I don't blame you. <laughs> if if I, I, I can only cover one of those games and one is two hours from my house and one is like two flights away. And what's going to matter more? Like you guys can handle Nebraska. And I haven't talked to Dave about it. I haven't talked to our boss about it, but it's like Nebraska is so meaningless. It's like, I, I'd rather go cover like Joe Burrow versus Baker Mayfield than yeah. watch Ohio State win yeah. by 50. And like, that's not, uh, uh, Nebraska, Ohio State is supposed to be a must watch, a must watch. And instead they stink. Wordsworth, Nebraska's got two buys this year for whatever that means. But yeah, I, I don't blame you for that. I mean, I think one's a little bit, a lot more interesting just for the standpoint of one, it's the Browns and we are Cleveland outlet, but then also, yeah, one's going to probably be a close get four quarter game and the other one's going to be over by halftime. 
And the other thing that's not in Scott Frost's favor, I mean, the reason they have two buys is because they're playing a week earlier than everybody else. So that's that's why. But they finish Ohio State at Wisconsin, Iowa, which might be the three best teams in the league. And I think it's possible that like, again, I think they could start three and oh and like only win one more game. But they like might enter that last stretch like four and five, like teetering on like or even five, you know, and then just have three straight teams prove how much better they are than Nebraska. And it will be a momentum thing. And sometimes schedules like that can work for a coach or against a coach. Your record's your record. But I think Nebraska's going to have an awful end to the year. And it might be a tidal wave that sweeps Scott Frost back to UCF. Well, you remember a couple of years ago, Maryland opened. I can't remember who they beat in the first game. I think it was like a, a nobody cream puff that they beat. And then they beat Syracuse, I think it was, that was weirdly ranked low in the top 25. And all of a sudden, Maryland's a top 25 team. And then I think they lost like 10 straight games. Yeah. Or maybe they beat Rutgers later. I think they might have gone like three and nine that year. It was just, it was rough. And I could, I, I, I don't know if this would be quite analogous to that. Because I, because I don't think by beating Fordham and Illinois, they're going to push into the top 25 with a 3-0 and start. I think people are going to make them prove it more than that. But I think you're right. I think that, that momentum and some of those scheduling quirks can work against you. It, there's, it, it's no fault of anybody's, but it's the, the appearance of it, the optics of it, don't play into a coach's favor. My number four team in the West is Minnesota, another have Ohio State opponent. I have them tied for fourth in the West, also at three and six. So I have Illinois one and eight, Nebraska two and seven, and Purdue and Minnesota both three and six. Yeah, they're four, they're four for me as well. Oh, consensus pick. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if any of us would have picked them there last year. That was one of the things that struck me as I was putting this together. Is I remember going into 2020 thinking, you know, the Big Ten West might have a little something cooking. Like, you I mean, Purdue's got, you know, um, you know, Carl Aftis and Bell, who they still have, and they had Rondell Moore then, so maybe Purdue's kind of a dangerous little team, and Illinois is coming off of a bowl game, and of course, I mean, Nebraska's got to get it figured out sometime, right? And, you know, the McCaffrey kid is doing things, and I felt like there was more depth in the West, and this year I feel the opposite. I feel like there's some intriguing stuff at the top of the West, but kind of traditionally, once you get past about third place in the West, it gets kind of sludgy. I would have picked Minnesota to be first in the West if we were doing this last year. That's I mean, that's how much they've fallen off in just 12 months. Getting, yeah, they were getting preseason number one votes in our poll so, going into last year. So, yeah, I just – I mean, they've fallen off. They've got a lot to prove this year. And, and that, I, I think, Nathan, both – I think we both have kind of backed off that idea that they can get Ohio State in week one because Ohio State's got a brand-new quarterback and Minnesota's got the same guy coming back. Uh, I think we both just backed off of that a little bit, just given what they did last year. So that's how you start your season off with a loss to Ohio State. And then you've also got some other quality opponents still on your schedule, especially at the end of the season. Their crossovers are – they have Ohio State and Indiana among their crossovers. Again, I mean, the crossovers really matter when you're doing stuff like this. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they got Maryland as their third crossover. They can win that game. We're going to be wrong about somebody. I mean, there's always a team that – I mean, I, I think it's possible that we're wrong about Minnesota and that it re- Kirk Shiraka like blew up the Big Ten last year because him leaving Minnesota screwed up Minnesota and him going to Penn State screwed up Penn State. So now he's gone. Minnesota has year two of Mike Sanford as an offensive coordinator. Penn State has Mike Yurcich as an offensive coordinator. I think it's possible that it's like, no, actually Tanner Morgan is competent. They just had flat, bad play calling in a pandemic year. Ibrahim Muhammad's a good running back. They've got a couple defensive dudes. 
And it's like, no, Minnesota wins eight games. They don't win three or four. You know, like we just miss. There's always somebody we miss on. I think it could be them. But also, I don't think they're going to really give Ohio State much of a game. I think you might be right about we might have them a little low, um, especially because the other thing they have going for them is we've talked about before. They've got a handful of pretty good offensive linemen. It could be a team that just kind of rides behind that and, and becomes very efficient on offense and, and uses that to, to spring an upset along the way. So you might be right. That might be the team in the West that we end up looking back on and saying we were off by, but maybe only by like one spot in the standings. Uh, I have Northwestern third. We talked about this on the Shoemaker podcast, the Shoemaker Bookmaker podcast, um, that they were only projected for like six wins. We thought that was a really low number. There's obviously some things that are unknown about them, how good Ryan Holinsky is, how they're going to replace some of the guys they lost. But I, I, I'm, some of this is just faith in Pat Fitzgerald and, and faith in who we do know is coming back, that this could still be a, a solid team, at least by West standards. They have two really – Winnable crossovers in Michigan State and Rutgers. I think they could start six and zero. Their first six games are Michigan State, Indiana State at Duke, Ohio at Nebraska by Rutgers. So they could be six and zero and be kind of a fraud because I have them starting six and zero, and then they hit Michigan, Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, Purdue, Illinois, and. I have them going eight and four overall, five and four in the Big Ten. But their schedule's pretty easy, which contributes to why I think that is a good over to take on whatever that six and a half win total was. But I, I think they could have a better record than they are a team. Which is why I put them second uh, ahead of some ahead of Iowa. Because I think one, I just I think Ryan Holinsky might be pretty good. And Northwestern lost some guys, but they also brought some quality guys back. Like Brandon Joseph is still back in that secondary. And that's I mean, that might be the best safety in the Big Ten, or at least he's in the conversation to be the best safety in the Big Ten. And they've got an easy schedule. Um, the only guaranteed loss, I think, on their schedule is Wisconsin, and that might be the deciding factor. And then, obviously, they'll play Iowa the week before that, which is a rough back-to-back situation to play. But, you know, I, I think they I think they beat Iowa, but they lose to Wisconsin. That's pretty much what decides the Big, Big Ten West. Doug, you had Northwestern third, I assume? I did. So – Let's do. Let's just jump ahead of one. Who are you guys picking to win the West? Wisconsin. So I have a tie at the top of the West. I have Wisconsin and Iowa both going seven and two, but I have Wisconsin winning the head to head. I think Penn State's going to beat Wisconsin week one. I think Graham Mertz yeah. is going to get a little hyped up. I think Penn State's going to be ticked off for a year. Penn State has like more than a handful handful of good defensive players. And Penn State's going to be running a new offense that Wisconsin's not going to be able to scout with what Mike Yersich is going to be calling. And I like Penn State's receivers. They have a couple good backs. Sean Clifford can't be worse than he was last year. So, like, that's a tough one for Wisconsin. Even though that's at Wisconsin, that's a tough one to open. But I don't have I, – I think generally Iowa and Wisconsin are viewed as the two best teams in the West. I don't have either breaking away. So I have both going 7-2, and two, but Wisconsin winning it and going to the Big Ten championship game based on the head-to-head win. I kind of wanted to pick Iowa. I really kind of did. I think people really like Iowa's secondary. I think Iowa's quarterback situation is like a gigantic question mark, and you can't look past that. But Iowa opens with Indiana, which is not the easiest thing in the world. They've got Penn State as a crossover. They're at Maryland, which I think like feels like a tricky game to me the week before they host Penn State. Um, 
Like I just, and they're at Wisconsin and at Northwestern. So like their toughest games are on the road. And I just, I couldn't get there, right? That I, I picked Wisconsin to win the head-to-head game because it's at Wisconsin. And then if you lose, like if Iowa loses that game, I just, I don't know how they finish first, but I definitely think it's possible Iowa wins this division. I do have Iowa beating Iowa State in week two, because I think that's the expectation game. And I was going to be like, Oh, Oh, you are little in-state rival. You're in the top 10 here. Take this. So I think it's a really good year for Iowa, but I've got Wisconsin in the tiebreaker. I just have his good. I I think was All right. I'll keep talking. So anyway, (laughs) who who did you have as Wisconsin's second loss? So I'm playing like the, you know, weird, goofy stuff. I have them losing their first game. I have Wisconsin losing to Notre Dame, but that's not a big 10 game. And then like Wisconsin getting rolling and then losing a game that nobody expects them to lose. I have them losing at home to Northwestern in week in their third to last game, like in the midst of, Hey, we beat Iowa. We went and crushed rut. Like I just looking for like, I don't think Wisconsin's infallible. And I think like Northwestern's going to lose some goofy games, but it's capable like Ryan Helinski goes nuts. Right. So I have like Wisconsin losing to Penn state, Notre Dame. Cause I think those teams are better. And then losing a game you don't see coming just like they lost to Illinois. Cause I think they're still capable of being a team. It's like, they're pretty stinking good. Oh, Oops. they just lost that game, but they'll survive it and still get to the big 10 championship game. I think Wisconsin's going to go two and one in their crossovers and Iowa and Northwestern might just go one and two in their crossovers because as you, I think they're going to lose to Penn state too, but then I also think they're going to beat Michigan. And then maybe their, their slip up is they're going to Illinois again, just like in 2019 they're going to Illinois. Come, I mean, I don't know that Illinois should have beat them in 2019 when they did. And then, but they beat Michigan and then they also beat Rutgers. Yeah. Ohio state is just like Ohio state's just out of this mix in the crossover world. But like Wisconsin, yeah. Wisconsin plays Penn State and Michigan, and Iowa plays Penn State and Indiana. So like mm-hmm. at the top of the divisions, like the best teams are playing except Ohio State. Ohio State's not playing any of them. That was actually a, a striking thing as we're having this conversation that we stopped talking about Ohio State at some point because they don't factor into the the top of the Big Ten West. I mean, they'll eventually play them. We think probably in the Big Ten championship game. But as far as like deciding the West, it doesn't have to go through Ohio State, which is um, a, an odd wrinkle. But maybe that's for the best in some ways, like because then then Wisconsin and Iowa end up having relatively similar schedules, even even Northwestern. Right. So uh, and it takes and taking Ohio State out of that, letting them kind of duke it out with Penn State and whoever else, Michigan and, and some of those teams to decide the West. Maybe that makes it just works out smoother this way. And frankly, I like it when the team that Ohio State plays in the Big Ten championship game is not a team they've played already. Yeah. So I sort of, for that reason, like it when they don't play all the best teams in the West. I will say, by the way, uh, talking about like transfer weirdness, Notre Dame's quarterback is going to be noodle arm Jack Cohn, Wisconsin's former starter, and Wisconsin and Notre Dame play. So this is like one of those things. Like this is going to happen a lot more, but like people are going to be talking about that like crazy when we get to that game in week four. You've, you've put your confidence in Jack Cohn. He's going to win that game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, I put my down. confidence actually in Marcus Freeman. But, yeah, also yeah. Jack Cohn. <laughs> Jack Cohn is going to only have to score 14 points. That's what it is. Yeah. We will see about that. So, uh, recapping, um, I had Illinois 7th. Doug had Illinois 7th. Stephen had Illinois 6th. 
I had Nebraska six. Doug had Nebraska six. Stephen had Nebraska fifth. I had Purdue fifth. Doug had them tied for fourth. Stephen had them seventh. I had Minnesota fourth. So did Doug and Stephen. I had Northwestern third. So did Doug. Stephen had them second. I had Iowa second. Doug had them tied for first, losing to Wisconsin. Stephen had them second. And I and Doug and Stephen all, in some version, had Wisconsin winning the Big Ten West. My guess is going to be that Iowa is going to get a decent number of votes in our poll for the West. I think so. I yeah. bet Wisconsin wins the vote, but I think it might be like 60% to 40% or 65% to 35%. I think Iowa's going to have some backers. Their quarterback situation is very up in the air. It's Spencer Petrus who played last year, but like was not good. So like, that's not great yeah. for them. Um, but they, I think they really have some stuff going defensively and they've got like the best offensive lineman in the big 10 and it's uh, like, it's kind of their time a little bit, right? Like this is, they, they haven't competed at the top, you know, exactly in a couple of years. And I think it's their time a little bit too. Last year, you were the outlier vote picking Northwestern to win the West. And they did. Ah, it's so nice for me not to have to say it myself. And by outlier, you mean the only person in the poll to correctly predict Northwestern <laughs> to win the Big Ten West. Hey, thank you, Doug. Yes. <laughs> Who do you guys think might be the outlier vote this year? Like, would it be a Minnesota that maybe is the one, a team that could be in that, like, top two contention? Uh, they turn out to be better than we think they are. Morgan gets it back. They contend and, and pull those teams kind of beat each other. And somehow they, they win the tiebreaker to win the West, something like that. But somebody has to pick it. I don't know if somebody's going to predict Minnesota to win the West. I think an outlier vote could be like somebody voting Purdue much higher than we have them because of who they have on their roster, not looking at how tough that schedule is. I think somebody might pick Minnesota first. And give Minnesota, give Tanner Morgan and PJ Fleck and Minnesota the benefit of the doubt that COVID is why they were so bad last year, even though I, they did lose their their weapons. I think somebody might pick Northwestern because their crossovers are Michigan State, Rutgers, and at Michigan. It's not like Michigan's not beatable. They they have a pretty easy schedule. And if you believe in Ryan Halinski, who we've talked about as a former top fifty national quarterback, who's their transfer coming in, if you believe that the quarterback play will be good. If you believe in Pat Fitzgerald, the schedule is set up for it. Now, you know, we said expectation game. I don't think they'll quite be there. But if you really are playing the schedule game, it's like, I know what Stephen's saying about Minnesota, but it's like Minnesota's first game is Ohio State. <laughs> it's like, okay, they're going to lose that, but is there a way they still win the Big Ten West? I, I just think the schedule might lead a couple people to the Wildcats. My, my question about Northwestern is they did lose some, like, real dudes on defense either, you know, um, fairly high NFL draft picks or just veteran guys who had done a lot production wise. And do they, does Holinsky coming into this offense rejuvenate that side of the ball enough to make up for what they've lost on defense to make that one year switcheroo? Like, like definitely maybe not, but also they might be eight and no. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Because they might beat Michigan State, Indiana State, Duke, Ohio, Nebraska, Rutgers, Michigan, Minnesota. And they might be eight and zero going to the Iowa game. So, like, I think you're right, but man, they have an easy schedule. <laughs> Good point. That wraps up the Big Ten West. We're going to take a break and come back and mark down our predicted finish in the Big Ten East here on Buckeye Talk. We are marking down the predicted finish of the Big Ten in 2021 here on Buckeye Talk. Six one four three five zero 
3315 if you hadn't signed up for the text. Another good couple week period, I think, to jump in on that. Getting things started, we'll be texting things that we hear at Big Ten Media Day later this week. Any little tidbits of information if we get updates on injuries or position switches or little roster things, that'll be coming through the text first before it goes on Twitter, before it goes on our website. So a good time to jump in and get those. Let us pick who is going to finish finish seventh in the Big Ten East. I took the fighting Mel Tuckers of Michigan State. Yep. I have them top for last Rutgers. I have them both winning two games in the big. I think Mel's a good coach. I don't know who their quarterback's going to be. They jumped up and got Michigan last year, right? Like, but like Rutgers jumped up and got people too. I mean, Rutgers took Michigan to quadruple overtime, whatever it was. Do you think they're going zero and nine when you guys pick Michigan State last? It's one of those things where I think there are enough teams at the bottom of this conference, even in the Big Ten East, that I mean, can I? Am I 100% certain that Maryland will definitely beat Michigan State? I don't even know where that game is. I forget. But, like, I can't say that for 100% certainty. So, it's Michigan State. So, right. there you go. Like, would it, would it, like, stun the world if Michigan State still beat an upwardly mobile Maryland team at home? No. So, I ha- so they open at Northwestern for Michigan State, which is, which is a little rough. I have them winning at Rutgers, and I have them beat Nebraska at home as my yeah. two wins for Michigan State to get them to two and seven to tie with Rutgers. I have them, I would say, beat Nebraska. But I think Rutgers wins because it's at Rutgers. And that just might be what decides who's sixth and who's seventh. Yeah, I, I think I'm still taking Rutgers and Nebraska in both of those games. So I guess I, I probably am. I probably am picking an 0-8 right now for Michigan State. It would be an upset if they didn't. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, you know, they're going to be bad. It's just like, like, are you like disastrously non-competitive bad? You don't like, you can't jump up so I, I don't know i just like mel i think he's a good coach that's a big rebuild they've got going i there. think he's a good coach in a way that they might go zero and nine and lose six games by 10 or less points yeah i think that's that's kind of how i see it too like i don't know that i think of this as being some kind of catastrophe where they're just getting rolled every week i just don't know if they've got enough to get over the hump but as you're saying though and as i was kind of alluding to as long as you're just sort of within reaching distance of some of these other bad teams like nebraska like rutgers then it, it's Certainly, you, we've seen before how easily a team can reach up and grab somebody. But it is hard. This will be an interesting um, exercise to look at this year and compare it to last year and how much we think, if, if it gives us some new perspective, when Michigan State beats Michigan, when uh, Maryland beats Penn State, how much of that was COVID and how much of that was uh, a tightening of where those teams are relative to each other in the conference. Two and five last year for Michigan State. They beat Michigan. And by the way, they beat Big Ten West champ Northwestern. Last year. That's right. <laughs> That's right. With uh, with uh, the, the, the uh, hairband uh, guitarist as their quarterback for part of the year. Uh, number six in the Big Ten East, I took Rutgers. Is that who you had Michigan State tied with, Doug? Yes. Yeah, they're six for me. That almost I, seems like some progress <laughs> to be I like think- sixth across the board. You know, I think it's coming. You know, they win three games last year. They beat Michigan State, Purdue, and Maryland all on the road, which shows a little something, right? Rally as a team, us against the world kind of stuff. The world against the Swamp Monsters. So, um, you know, and we know that they kind of hung around with Ohio State in a weird way. They only lost to Illinois by three. They only lost to Michigan by six and three overtimes. Uh, Like, they really competed last year. They really competed. But they also, they've got a 
a tough one, I think. Their crossovers are at Northwestern, at Illinois, certainly winnable in Wisconsin. So it's like if they can go one and two in crossovers, that'd probably be good for them. But it's like if you think the East is going to be pretty good, right? I mean, it's like we think that Ohio State, Penn State, Indiana, and maybe Michigan, and maybe Maryland, it's like, okay, well, then where's Nuck going to finish? Either sixth right. or seventh. Right. I, I think most people, I don't know that there's going to be a lot of people picking Rutgers any higher than six because it feels like, and maybe it's wrong, but it feels like Maryland's maybe a little bit of ahead of them for this season. Yeah. I know. I think you, you do this a, a smart way, which is there are times where you'll look at a list of teams and say, Oh, well, like Rutgers, I think is coming around. Like they should be better. Right. Well then, okay. Now game it game by game, like play it out. Who do they beat? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good way to look at it. I will say, we so I alluded to before we asked kind of a, a, a an extra question with the poll this year, and it was asking these reporters to rank, not predict, not pick a preseason Big Ten coach of the year necessarily, but rank who you think the three best coaches in the Big Ten are in order. And I bet Greg Schiano gets some votes in the top three. Yeah, top three. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree with that. And that's saying something because there's some decent coaches in the Big Ten right now. I mean, we just we just recorded. It was a you know a week ago plus now. Ohio State, Michigan, two thousand six. Buckeye retalkables. Go back and listen to that. And I forgot to mention it on that podcast. But when they were breaking down the national championship contenders and they showed the rankings, like Rutgers was number six at nine and zero, and Brent Musburger was like, Brent Musburger said, "When would you ever expect to say Rutgers and national championship game in the same sentence?" Greg Schiano doing a great job at Rutgers. And it's like, oh yeah, that was 15 years ago. And here we are. I have Maryland fifth. I bet this is where our lists are going to start to split a little bit. Um, I think they're going to take a step forward, but I don't know if I believe in the consistency of the team and the consistency of Talia Tagovailoa yet to pick them to beat all of the other teams that they would have to beat to finish much higher than that. Uh, I agree with that. They've got to play Iowa. That's a tough crossover at Illinois is kind of easy and uh, Minnesota. So I have them going, I have them making a bowl, which I think would be a version of success. Yeah. I, I have them going four and five, six and six overall. So that's a, as you said, like kind of a minor step forward. Two and three last year. They had the super jacked up year. Their year was as jacked up as anybody's. They get blown out by Northwestern in week one, and it looks like they're non-competitive. And then they wind up beating Minnesota in overtime, and then they win at Penn State, like a historic win. And then like uh, Talia Tonga-Vailoa like gets knocked out by COVID again, right? So they start, they lose at the end of the year. So it's like, it's really hard. They had a really the, for them to beat Penn State. No matter what was going on with Penn State, was a really big deal last year for them. Um, but it's hard to get a read beyond that. Except I think we believe in their receivers, and I think we believe in their quarterback, and that's a better starting point than some other teams. I believe in the ceiling for their quarterback week to week to be better than the average Big Ten quarterback. I need to have him prove that he can do it week to week. I think there's right now because that that was the mo. And again, 2020 was so jacked up. So how much of how much stock do you put in that? But as we've pointed out before, you had two great games and two bad games in 2020. I put Michigan fifth, and I put Maryland fourth. I think Maryland might be four and zero by the time they get to that Iowa game. It's West Virginia, Howard, 
at Illinois and then Kent State. Go flashes, baby. But I think they might be four and zero, and then that's that's a rough two game stretch playing Iowa, even if it's at home, and then coming to Ohio State. But that's a really good place to have a bye after you're coming off two pretty disappointing losses like that to get to reset yourself, and then you go at. Minnesota and then Indiana. I think Penn State gets interesting again. And then I just think Michigan's, I think they're going to mess up this quarterback situation and it's going to mess up the first half of their season. And they're not going to be able to recover from that, especially once they get to that at at Wisconsin. The Michigan Maryland game, it's Michigan goes at Penn State, at Maryland, Ohio State. So they're playing on the road at Maryland in between Penn State. And Ohio State. Yeah. So I don't like trap games, but that's like the definition of a trap yeah, game. There's there's never, yeah, there's never going to do that. Look up the dictionary. Look up trap game and dictionary, and it's got a shot of that part of the schedule. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I had Michigan fourth. You have Michigan fourth. and Who did you have fourth? I have Indiana fourth. Thought that might be the case. Yeah. I have Michigan uh, going six and three and Indiana going five and four in the big 10. So who should we talk about first? Let's go ahead and I guess, finish talking about Michigan who I guess you probably then had third, right? Correct. That sounds like Michigan finishing third in the big 10 East, depending on how they do it. I, I think probably extends Harbaugh's tenure. So I you think look at it that way. I, like, I think you could view this as, I don't want to say it's a worst case scenario, but like it's a, it doesn't answer anything. Right. If Michigan has the season that I'm predicting them to have, which is beat Western Michigan, lose to Washington, beat Northern Illinois, beat Rutgers, lose to Wisconsin, beat Nebraska. So before the bye, that's four and two, beating four bad teams and losing to two good teams. Mm-hmm. So then you get a bye. I haven't beaten Northwestern at home. That's a nice little win. At Michigan State, win. I haven't beating Indiana at home, head to head, which is a little bit like a show me kind of game for Michigan, right? And then at Penn State loss, at Maryland win, Ohio State loss. And so, like, you would, you would go through a season again where, like, your best wins over Indiana, maybe Indiana's ranked at that point, but, like, you really didn't beat anybody that mattered. I had them going eight and four and losing to the four teams that matter, which, which would just mean, like, well, you're really eight and four. Are you really going to get rid of the guy? And it's like, oh, by the way, did, we beat, did they beat anybody with the pulse? And so it would just, like, extend this purgatory of Michigan football a little bit. I'm not so sure that like at Michigan, there aren't Michigan fans who wouldn't be like, just let us go four and eight and get it over with, or let us go 10 and two and show that like the assistant coach hires and they played JJ McCarthy and Donovan Edwards popped and Here we go. I think this is a version of what Michigan doesn't want. Yeah. I think that's actually a really good point. And it, we now also have a new way of judging team success at the end of a year, which is there's going to be occasions where teams can go like nine and three and we'll be able to project out and say, oh, that probably would have been enough to still make a 12 team playoff, maybe. But eight and four yeah. isn't going to even get you into a playoff, especially because because the, the tenure, the mark of the Harbaugh tenure isn't losing games. They haven't fallen off. They're not having like five win seasons the way they were under some of his predecessors or, or worse. But they're not winning any big, big games. They don't they don't win the big game, any of them. Whatever way you want to describe a big game, they can't win it. And this would be another example of that. I think a huge game this year in the Big Ten, maybe a bigger game than the Iowa, bigger than the Indiana-Ohio State game, which I think people thought was going to be. And now Ohio State has to go into Bloomington. There's some whatever going on between those two teams after last year. 
but the Indiana at Michigan game, I think this year is huge. It's both, both of those teams are going to be wanting to be finding out a lot from the outcome of that game. And we talked about like with Tishu, Tishu on the market down Tuesday, a couple weeks ago, took like the under on the Michigan win total. And we talked about the idea of like, Hey, if you start off and you don't beat Washington and you don't beat Wisconsin, could it just all fall apart? And that's possible, but also you could not beat Washington, not beat Wisconsin, and then just still be the fine, which is like beat the teams you should and not beat any of the teams better than you. And just nothing changes. Like if they lose to Wisconsin, does that actually mean that like they're going to lose to Michigan state and Maryland and Northwestern? I guess maybe, but they also might not fall apart. They'll just be in stasis. Yeah. I think when you can't ever win that big game, then it leaves you no margin for error to have a goof like against Northwestern at home or something like that, where they come in and beat you 24 to 23 or something. Um, but because you haven't beaten anybody else, that's how you turn a nine win season into a seven win season pretty quickly. So I had them fourth, Doug had them third, Steven had them fifth. That was Michigan. Um, I had Indiana third, Doug had them fourth. Steven, where do you have Indiana? I have them third. This schedule sucks. Honestly, and it's to a point where it's uh, we can I guess we can talk about Penn State, Indiana and Kendam a little bit here. Indiana might beat Penn State again, but then still finish behind them in the standings because one team might have two or two losses and the other one has three. So their crossovers for Indiana are at Iowa to open the season, as we said, Uh, and then Minnesota and Purdue. So I, I just. You know, they're, I, they're not going to sneak up on anybody. They have some really good players on the defense. We know that Ty Freifogel, Ty Freifogel is still a dude at receiver. That Cincinnati, I mean, Iowa and Cincinnati and Penn State in weeks one, three, and five. That's like some pretty substantial tests. Mm-hmm. I actually have them winning the Cincinnati game, which like definitely might not happen, right? I mean, like that's absolutely Cincinnati might win that game. I think at Iowa is a really tough opener for them. And again, Iowa's going to lean on their defense. And, and, and I think it might be Iowa might come out and have a game against Michael Penix where everybody kind of reevaluates what they think about Michael Penix all of a sudden, which, which might be a blow to their confidence a little bit. Because Indiana rolled last year based on what happened in week one, right? That was like mm-hmm. the, the impetus for everything with Michael Penix diving in the end zone in overtime to beat Penn State 36-35. And that, was, that got them rolling. And I, and I think like the game at Iowa could burst their bubble in a similar way. Not that they fall off a cliff, but that they kind of just have like a fine ear. Like it's okay, but they aren't what people are thinking. Maybe their upside could be. I mean, and I would actually argue the Penn state crossover is tougher. I mean, they have to play Iowa too, and they have to play Wisconsin. Now they get Illinois. They don't, uh, I don't know that the, I, uh, um, Indiana's doesn't quite bottom out the same way. Minnesota and Purdue, we think of more as like, mid-tier Western programs as opposed to Illinois bringing up the basement. But I, I think that's a it's actually tougher if, if you're basing it just on thinking they're kind of close head-to-head in the schedule. I might lean Indiana over Penn State. I just think Penn State's better than Indiana. I think that, again, it, it took a, a um, potentially incorrect call at home for Indiana to beat Penn State last year and in a weird year, in the pandemic year. I, I think that that maybe evens out this year, especially because they have to go to state college to play that game. So that was third, fourth, and third for Indiana. So does everyone have Penn state second? 
Yeah, I have Penn State yeah. going seven and two in the Big Ten, nine and three overall. They have Auburn at home in like a really yeah. nice non-conference game yep. in week three. Uh, respect to those teams for putting that together. That's exactly. I mean, it's like it's like a perfect game, right? Like SEC is coming north. It's not the it's not the best. It's it's like the undercard to Ohio State Alabama almost is like to have Auburn play Penn State. So that's a really good week three game. So I just have Penn State like winning some big games, losing some big games. I have Penn State winning at Wisconsin to open the year. Then I have them losing to Auburn in week three. Then I have them beating Indiana in week five and then losing at Iowa in week six, right? I don't think they're going to be perfect, but I think they'll have some ups. I think they'll have some downs. And I think in the end, they'll have like a nice season. And I think they have a chance. They play Ohio State in week nine. Their last four games are at Maryland, Michigan, Rutgers at Michigan State. I think they could lose to Ohio State, run the table, win their final four. And that will get them to seven and two and nine and three. Yeah, that's how I looked at it. It gets very easy after they play Ohio State, and that's where they run away with that second slot. I feel like this is a year where Penn State probably needs to have the kind of season we're talking about a little bit. I don't know that they can contend for a championship winning the East, but I think you've got to keep your foot on Michigan's throat while you can, and I think you've got to keep Indiana in its place. I think you need to sort of come in and look at second place as a almost a championship of sorts. Like if you can hold on to that second place spot and kind of reaffirm your your position in the conference – that's a way to kind of reset and give you a foundation to push off of going forward. No, I think that's right. And like right now they have 18 commits in their class already. So that they're, they're active. So that's part of the reason, but with those guys, they have the third ranked recruiting class right now for 2022, Ohio state one, Notre Dame two. Steven talked about how they had some bad dips in recruiting in recent years, but I think like they just need to get some momentum back. And it's like, they don't have to have any illusions that they're as good as Ohio state, but like, let's have a solid year, you know, win nine or 10 games, get the recruiting rolling again, and then try to gear up to make another run at the Ohio state level. But they can't, they have to make sure last year was a blip the mm-hmm. same way that Michigan's trying to do it. I mean, Michigan and Penn state are in very similar situations. Michigan's coach is on more of a hot seat, but those have been winning programs. And they both stunk last year. So was that a sign of something or was that all pandemic? And my guess is that it's going to be mostly pandemic for both of them. But I think Penn State will really, I think, reassure its fan base in a lot of ways this year. And be like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, they're good. I wish we would have beaten Auburn. Oh, man, I wish we would have beaten Iowa. You know, but like, no, that's we had some good wins and that's we're a good program. And here comes the recruiting and we'll be okay. So you guys have number one. Um, It was a hard a very hard decision. So I just don't, I can't pick anybody to beat them. Yeah. I mean, like the only question is whether you have them going 12 and 0 or 11 and one. And I, I believe, um, you know, on the teach you podcast, we talked about, I think both Bama and Clemson will lose a game. I think Clemson, cause I think they'll lose to George in the opener Bama. Cause I think somebody will get them because of the talent loss from last year. And also they have enough tough games. I think somebody will get them. I just think the accumulation of like Ohio state's competitive games. It's like, okay, Oregon's good. All right. And then like, they don't play Wisconsin or Iowa. It's like, I just don't, I just don't see how it happens. Right. And that's like knock on wood. I mean, everybody's screaming Purdue 2018, but like their offense is so good. Their offense is going to be so good on the offensive line at the skill positions that it'll, it'll allow the quarterback to come along. And I think the defense will work itself out. And I just like, if you don't think they're going to lose in week two to Oregon, because they have a new quarterback and Oregon's talented and all that stuff, 
I, you just can't even pretend to me to be like, oh, is uh, Maryland in week six? Like, I, you know, like, what are we doing? So I just, I just, to me, it was a pretty easy 12 and 0. This schedule is very Clemson 2018 ish, where there's an early non conference game that might be competitive for Clemson in 2018. It was at Texas AM for Ohio State. It's obviously the Oregon game. But everything else, it, and maybe there's a conference game where they challenge you. Syracuse did that to Clemson because Trevor got knocked out the first series with a concussion. But maybe there's one conference team that challenges you for a little bit. Maybe Penn State's that or Indiana's that. But for the most part, these are all winnable games. And maybe we're asking the question when Ohio State gets to the playoff, have they played anybody just like they were in 2018 with Clemson? Brand, both situations, a brand-new starting quarterback. I, it, right now on paper, that looks like it could be a fair question, frankly. Um, I mean, and we think Penn State will be okay. Um, you know, winning the Big Ten Championship game, it would help if, like, Wisconsin or Iowa or, I suppose, Northwestern, whoever, maybe surprises from a national perspective and is is a game or two better than we're thinking of them right now, and that gives Ohio State a, an extra good game. But, yeah, right now I think that that, that will be asked. It'll be um, – and they're going to have to do it a little bit like they did last year and like kind of prove it on paper a little bit because there won't be a lot of great games to prove it head to head. Phil Steele, one of the really good things in his really good magazine is when he has the schedules for all the teams on their individual pages, he makes a little notation. If the team that you're playing had a buy the week before Penn state, or Ohio state doesn't play a single team that had a buy the week before. <laughs> Meanwhile, like for the Indiana game, Ohio state has a buy before going to Indiana and Indiana plays the week before. So there's that little stretch. It's right. I mean, it's not a stretch. It's at Indiana and then home against Penn state back to back. So like, listen, those are two good teams. So who knows, but there's not even like little wrinkles that you can find. Like sometimes the schedules against you, even Oregon, it's like, Oh, the Oregon series, you're only going to play one of the two. Oh, which one are you playing? The one in Columbus. Yeah. Okay. The, the one in Columbus where uh, Oregon's players are going to have to get up at the crack of dawn on their body clocks yeah. to get ready for that game. I mean, if you were asking, I mean, it's just the luck of the draw, the way they do this. Some, when Ohio State does a home and home, sometimes they play on the road first, sometimes they play at home first. It just was Oregon's bad luck. But, uh, you know, if you're asking CJ Stroud to go on the road in his second career start and do that, it makes it that much more difficult. But it's like, I just, you, you really have to look for it. Like you really, I, you know, I'm all for somebody who, who is just pure to the cause and just analyzes it from a football standpoint. And is like, yeah, I see an Ohio state loss for here. And, and I think sometimes when you're doing this, you don't have to pin down the loss. You just think, I just think they have five tough games and I don't think they'll win all five. I think that's a very reasonable way to get to 11 and one. Right. But that's not the case. No. Like they don't have five tough games. They have like, Two and a half tough games. And so I, it just looks like 12 and 0. Well, and just, I mean, getting to play Penn State at home, um, it, there's a lot of things line up in Ohio State's favor. As, but, but just being Ohio State in the first place lines up in their favor, let's, let's be honest. I mean, it's hard to look at this right now and, and imagine the scenario where I'm not picking them to finish first in the conference, kind of for the foreseeable future. Like, even if you think Penn State's coming back, even if you think uh, Michigan can right the ship, even if you think Indiana's got a little juice, there just still seems to be a gap between one and two. But it's just the way we're talking about the other Big Ten teams, it's going to be finishing number one with a gap, which is where Clemson has lived, where Clemson's undefeated, and then the second-best team has two or three losses. Based on the way we're talking about this, I assume we're all picking Ohio State to win the Big Ten championship game as well. Should we mark that down? Yeah, 
No. Oh, yeah. When I submit it, yes. When I yeah. submit it, I will. I will predict Ohio State beats Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. Mm-hmm. Did you have a last word here, Doug? I just would like to remark that I also am picking Ohio State to go twelve and zero in twenty twenty three. I'm marking that down now. That if I can do that, I can oh, send that. Can I that? send that in for the poll now? With a nine and three dip in between. Yeah. No. Five and seven next year, but <laughs> then they'll sort it out. You heard it here first, folks. It's down in ink. Dougley Maurice, Ryan Day will be fired after the 2022 season. I'm tired of being known as old nine and three Doug, so I would prefer to be known <laughs> as old five and seven. Uh, the, the, the real question, what's going to live longer? People saying, hey, remember Purdue? Hey, remember Iowa? Or hey, remember when Doug picked them to go nine and three? One of those has to die first. Oh, no. When, I'm, mur- when I'm murdered, people are going to be like, oh, yeah, that nine and three guy got murdered. <laughs> It's going to be so. nine and three carved <laughs> into your forehead. Yeah. So that's going to live longer. With a switchblade. And on that note, that wraps up another Market Down Monday. Thanks for joining us. I'm Nathan Baird. For Degley Reese, for Stephen Means, that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.